Are you ready for the Gigi Fusco Mies experience? <laughs> I am. Okay. Well, welcome to the No Regrets podcast with Kate. I am sitting here today with Gigi Fusco Mies, and I met Gigi very recently. She surprised me at, with a visit to the hospital. She's a good friend of our mutual friend, Felice Garcia, and I want to talk to her today because... I want her to tell the story of how one phone call changed her life. And it's such a pleasure to have you be on my show. I'm so excited. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And so we're sitting in her cute little apartment in Long Beach, California. And it's a beautiful Sunday. Or I'm sorry, beautiful It's a Saturday. Saturday. A very hot very Saturday. Very in, in the November, middle of November. <laughs> in Southern middle California. November. Very hot. Yes. So thank you again. And let's hear how, who you are and uh, the story of me. Okay. The story of you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, well, you know, I'm a native Californian born and raised. Okay. Uh, born in Los Angeles, raised in an Orange County suburb of Seal Beach, California. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. I'm just okay. going to say it was a really golden age to grow up. We could ride our bikes and be out just had to be home in time for dinner and I had a lovely childhood and very lucky to have a great family and surrounded by wonderful people and uh, stayed in this area Long Beach my adult life in Long Beach love it here Uh, and then you know after school I got into the banking business my dad was in it he ran American Savings and Loan way back in the day when it still existed Mm -hmm. and through him um practically all my cousins were bank tellers at one point everybody got their start in the banking business and I did as well and I was in the real estate loan business for a very long time had my license and worked uh that for a long time but I always in my when I was a child I always put on shows and my parents garage like that was my summertime my mom was like I never had to worry about camp for you because you always had some plan of your own and I was putting on a show in their garage and it was always a lot of fun and I always seemed to gravitate toward the performing arts in some way but you really can't make a living that way and I found that I was able to make a living doing mortgage banking real estate all this fun stuff but on the side I would always do uh, acting classes participate in that and from there started directing or being involved in shows and acting in community theater then directing in community theater and then my time in the mortgage industry uh, right about the time my uh, I got married to my beloved Richard he said, you know, why don't you go do something else that you'd love? I had just recently got laid off from a job I was at for 10 years. And I really didn't want to be in that industry anymore. Just so happened that there was an opportunity to manage our local Long Beach Playhouse. And I went there and the rest is history. So my vocation really for the past 20 years has been working in a nonprofit arts. So that's my story. How did you meet your husband? Oh, uh, it was a beautiful all-American love story. We met in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> and just like all great love stories start, uh, I was there with some friends of mine from right after an acting class. And he had taken the class the semester before and knew that they would all be there. So he was at the El Torito Grill to see these people. And he liked one of the girls that was in my class. So he was there to see her. And he kept showing up week after week. And I'm like, who's this guy? Oh, that's Richard. Oh, okay. So he had a smart mouth. I had a smart mouth. We kind of hit it off. And I asked him when he had one of those um, text pagers, you know, back in the day. Okay. So I didn't know, back in the 90s, you know, this big thing. And I looked at, he was there for weeks. I didn't know him at all. But other than his name was Richard. So I said, you know, hi, Richard. So what's your story? It's awfully late. Um, And you got that big pager. I mean, what do you need it for? Are you a doctor? And he replied, why, yes, they call me Dr. Love. (laughs) Well. How can a girl resist, right? So anyway, um, we dated for a long time. And then he finally was um, wise enough to pop the question. And he proposed to me at an acting award show in front of 200 of our friends. 
which was amazing and very special. And then we got married on the stage at the Long Beach Playhouse. Oh, how exciting. It was. It was really great. And we wrote it like a play, kind of Romeo and Juliet. We had a narrator at the beginning, and we hired two actors to portray us at different aspects of our relationship. Yeah. And then we interrupted it with, you know, a real wedding. So... Uh, it was it was pretty fabulous. He was really something else, a real character, one of a kind. And, um, you know, there was just never a dull moment. With... And he was a writer, right? He was. His day job was sales. He was a salesman in different industries. He was very good at it. But he wrote. He was a, an amazing actor and uh, writer. And that's how he spent his his spare time so it was a really great relationship he could look at a blank piece of paper and fill it up with all kinds of dialogue and great stories and create these amazing characters where I could not look at a piece of paper except to cry because I wouldn't know what to put on it but I can make what was on that paper come to to life uh, by directing so it was great so that we always had our real jobs but we always had acting and it opened up a lot of doors for us and of course our circle of friends our social circle were all these people that we met from doing plays all these years and so a lot of fun so what happened to the girl that he liked at the bar like, oh he took she she was he took one look at, one look at me like, and that was it that was it <laughs> i like to say but i would say that our our wits were attracted to each other sure. um before anything else he was really something we could stand toe to toe he just loved to match wits with me and I liked the same he was we were each other's audience and uh, god you know it was so funny he was a writer but he would write on everything napkins and envelopes stuff stuff for work or stuff that he was an idea he thought of and for a while I found all after he he passed away I found all these notes and stuff and I'm like, hey, and he's a G said this today, and it was like all my things, the horrible things that I that came flowing out of my mouth, my smart ass mouth. And uh, later on, I happened. He just has all this writing, and he had a short story of, um, I can't remember what it was called, something about uh, this the sharpest wit or something like that. And uh, it was about me. And it was a story about my no nobody could beat my wife toe to toe. She, this is what she and all those little notes that I found were in this story. Like I, you can't beat my G. She was always there with the one liners and everything. And of course it was it was amazing to see it like that. So he he loved me, but he loved that part of me. And that's even if we were furious with each other and didn't like each other very much. And I was furious at him a lot. Trust me. I, he could still always make me laugh. So that's that was like the common bond that just, amongst other things, that kept us together all those years. Yeah. Yeah. How long were you married? We were, uh, well, we were married 18 years. Yeah, 18 years. We were together 26, but married 18 in a few months. And yeah. he was previously married and had two children. Yes, or, two great kids. Two yeah, yeah. A son and a daughter. And they're amazing. Yeah. So yeah. what happened? Um, let's. We're referring to Richard in the past tense. Yes. He, has, he passed away last year. Mm-hmm. But um, are you willing to share that story of how the one phone call changed your life? Sure. Well, you know, like they say, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans, right? You know, Richard and I both very busy, busy schedules. We would you know, pass each other in the night between, you know, work and rehearsals and this and that. And uh, Richard was turning things around He with his work, and he was, like, becoming the number one salesman after a while of not being that. And, but he was working day and night. I was rehearsing with shows and working during the day, and so we were passing in the night. And uh, one day I was leaving for work, and, you know, it, I was – in the middle of that stairwell going down and it just struck me to stop and turn back and I came back into the apartment and I saw him and I st- I grabbed him and I gave him this huge passionate kiss and he's like oh <laughs> I'm like hey old man I'm not trying to start something I said but I go we're moving too fast we're forgetting the we're forgetting 
proper hello have a great day good morning we're missing those moments i and it was struck me really heavy didn't know why but i i did that i said we need to stop and make sure we we have the proper good morning and hello and goodbye he's like okay honey and then three weeks later Got up in the morning and I had an early morning event for work, like a eight o'clock, you know, chamber meeting, something or other. And Richard was getting ready to start his day. Kiss, kiss. I love you. Have a great day. Off. About one o'clock in the afternoon, I get a call from Richard on my cell phone, which was rare. He rarely called me during the day. So I'm like, oh God, what did he do now? <laughs> so I pick up the phone and it's just him yelling, trauma, 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 trauma. And his voice was booming. I mean, he had an outside voice inside, you know what I mean? Just naturally. So everybody in my office heard this through my phone. I didn't even have him on speakerphone. People are saying, oh my God, he's having a stroke or something. And I'm trying to find out, honey, where are you? Where are you? What's, ho- what, what's happening? He just could only say trauma. Then the phone died. So I'm freaking out. I try to call his phone back. I get his, his voicemail. So I'm 30 miles away in Anaheim at work and I don't know where he is. I didn't know where he was. So I called 911 and they said somebody had already called about a gentleman his age at my address and that ambulance was on its way. So, and then I'm in my car. I hit every red light. I hit bumper to bumper traffic. I have a friend um, that I called to see if they could find out through dispatches where they took him. I didn't know what hospital he was going to or anything. Then I found where he was and went in and he's just looking at me. He's saying, four hours, four hours, four hours, trauma, trauma, trauma. And just nobody knew what was going on. And it's, you know, it scared the hell out of me. Of I don't know. And I'm freaked out. And he and can't communicate. He can't communicate. Nobody seems to know. And so the doctor's like, well, we think your husband had a stroke. We're just trying to get to the bottom of it. We're waiting in line to get him into this, you know, CAT scan, get a scan and all these things. And in the meantime, he's not violent, but he's trying. You can see in earnest, he's trying to communicate something and he could only say one word. And uh, our life was forever changed. Right. You know, I'm trying, and I'm, it was during the day, I'm trying to get in touch with anybody in my family, getting everybody's voicemails, trying to call his kids. And I'm texting, like, hey, I, somebody needs to call me back. Dad's having a stroke. We're in the emergency room. And it was just nuts. And, you know, everything that happens, you don't know, moves so fast, yet you still feel like you're, in mud trying to move forward what's going on so then he had a grand mal seizure which then told us so there was something else finally after a few days we we get the news that he had a tumor so i'm like okay i want him out of here which was our local hospital who's ill-equipped to deal with this right and i said i want him at ucla medical center and I will, I, I'm not happy with this one particular hospital, but the one thing I will give them credit for is that they were instrumental in working with my insurance and the doctors and UCLA to get him accepted, get him a doctor and get him up there, get him as soon as a bed was available. So for that, I'm forever grateful. So, I mean, that was not what I planned for that day, for that week, for the rest of my life. I had certainly thought, you know, Richard and I would walk around this beautiful area of Long Beach and look at older couples, really gray, even though we're gray now, but uh, really gray, still holding hands and helping each other. And we're like, that's, that's going to be us. And, and uh, within nine months, blink of an eye, he's gone, it seems. So I did not expect that phone call. I didn't expect not to have him all these years. And it was that phone call. And it just took, obviously, my path, his path, and the path of our family down a road that we never expected. Right. So he ended up having brain cancer. He ended up, uh, he had uh, an extraction of the tumor and found that he had glioblastoma, 
multiform stage four, which is not what you want to hear. But that's cancer. But right? that is brain cancer. So it's a, a very aggressive brain cancer where there is no known cure. It's very aggressive. And they said, you know, even if we get it all out, a thousand percent, it's going to come back. Now, for some people, it may be a year, it might be five years or the next day. We just don't know. But it's very aggressive. So we were up against a real monster. But I was like, I'll be damned if this thing's going to get my Richard. Right. But with the treatments, with the surgery, with all these things, my husband, Richard, who was a brilliant guy, very cerebral. I mean, he watched news day and night. I mean, he had to fill his head with information all the time. Reading the newspaper, he had C-SPAN 1, 2, and 3 on all the time. Drove me crazy, that and sports. Really brilliant guy. Um, all these things, the cancer and the drugs were really messing with his head. So I had to be his advocate. I mean, he could speak, he could communicate, but he didn't know what was going on, really. And it was really hard. We had a lot of really difficult things to face. You get that. And he's Richard's like, oh, okay, so how many years do I live? About 10. <laughs> and really? the, doctor, as I, he, the doctor looked at me. And I knew exactly what it meant, like, this is, it's not good. Right. And so I had to reason with somebody who, he had to know the answer. He still was Richard in the sense that he was going to question everything and he wanted the information. And he may forget it the next day and you have to explain it to him all over again. But he was like, what do you mean? This is ridiculous. I'm, this, why is this happening? Why would I only have a short amount of time to live? I want to be on every trial. I want to be on everything. So we went down that road of, okay, what do we do? So we radiation. He's taking oral chemo. He's taking all these medications. But God love him. It never affected his appetite. That man <laughs> wow. could eat a burrito the size of your head. <laughs> no problem. And he loved Poke Bowl. He ate like crazy. Didn't gain weight. Didn't do it. But he just ate and ate and ate. And, you know, we applied for all these trials and he didn't qualify for one reason or another, usually genetic markers in the cancer itself that would respond to certain drugs and so forth. And then um, he did really well for a while. We threw, he did eight weeks of radiation and chemo and we held the cancer at bay for a while. So we had a couple months where he was doing pretty well. And he was, I mean, he was in such great shape. He walked and walked and walked and walked. Because he knew if he was walking, he was living. And then things started to go really, it would, it, would took, a, it took a horrible turn. And basically between the, the cancer was coming back and he was having the, the worst side effects you could possibly have on the meds he was taking. Now I'm in this little place with him alone. You know, I drop him off at my mom's, go to work, come back at him. You know, just like having a child, you know. But he would just, he got suicidal. He would just, because his brain was in turmoil. And so he didn't have necessarily control of what was going on. But he would like get up in the middle of the night and just race for the door. I didn't know. And I had a body slam him on the floor because I didn't know if he was going to jump off. He was going to run out into traffic. And it was horrible. And the doctors were saying, well, you know, give him this and give him that. It'll be fine. But he wasn't fine with that. And I finally um, got him back up to UCLA because I was just like taking him up. I'm like, you guys, I don't know what to do with this. What's going on? It was just the answer was pill, pill, pill. And we had, and I will say we had the best care ever. But there was something certainly wrong. So finally got him back found out the cancer had come back plus plus in two months and you know it wasn't good so this time you know this whole time I'm running everything I'm filing our tax I mean I felt stupid I had not filed our tax returns ever he had always done that you know I needed I'd ask him a question well, honey what did we do last year I'm, I'm doing my taxes scared to death I'm gonna make a mistake and he couldn't answer me he couldn't give me the answers it was just so hard to, oh, you know, he was, I was so happy to have him here, but I wanted him to feel like he was still uh, part of everything and that he was not a child. Like he, when he was really 
a coherent I don't want you to treat me like a child and I'm like okay but then his mind would take him somewhere else it was just it was it was grueling grueling but we were so lucky to have so many beautiful people in our lives our family and our friends and his fraternity brothers he belonged to the Phi Kappa Tau fraternity at USC and those guys were around all the time they were just amazing um gee I, I could prattle on there was just there's just so much that went on um but I mean it, it took from that phone call that one day to him passing away was nine months yeah I know I know and you know the thing is it's you you asked me about that that phone call that'll change your life you just are making plans like oh yeah. people ditching you on your plans at the last minute stuff it's like life is gonna you just no matter what you plan you can't take anything for granted tomorrow's not promised to any of us nor the promise we have planned for ourselves right being you know lunch dates or whatever i mean i certainly didn't plan that day to end up in the hospital with my husband right. or where that would lead us so yeah we just have to really take stock be grateful for every day what we have and the people around us and appreciate those that are there who love us and you know maybe stay clear of the people who don't <laughs> right you know I've, i'm noticing a theme okay um, especially recently so a couple interviews ago i had a friend on her name's melinda oshman and she had a son that passed away of addiction and she was telling me about her journey and it's similar where we get caught up in our careers and you know like you said just busy 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 working we're two ships passing the night where you have to consciously stop and say wait a minute what's important let me love this person and the you know it takes 10 seconds 15 seconds to give your husband a kiss goodbye whatever right and I've been feeling that way recently I literally have a post-it note on my computer at work that says slow down mm -hmm. because I was making simple mistakes but then the more and more I go on week after week where I'm feeling frazzled and though I'm doing a lot I feel like I'm being quote unquote productive I'm like not living life you know mm -hmm. I mean I'm seeing people and spending time with friends and things like that but and then I was talking to somebody else who kind of got the same message a different way like slow down you know be the turtle slow down mm -hmm. live life or you're gonna turn upside down and die right if you're a turtle you land on your back you can't do anything right. so how would you couple things how would you describe your philosophy of life before the phone call and then after and then how do you think now from the hindsight's 2020 right the mm -hmm. perspective of going through that and seeing how these you know little moments are so important what advice would you give to people on how to slow down you know what I mean well yeah I do know how you mean and it's I I hope that no one has to go through what I went through to learn these lessons first right. of all yep. you know the one thing through this whole process and Richard said this too you know he was dying he knew it he didn't have anything in his pockets you know he didn't have he was wearing a gown because I don't even have a pocket it's so the only thing I is that's worth anything Gigi's love to be loved and to love and if you've got that then you've got everything nothing else matters and you know what he is absolutely right and you know of course now I'm still grieving the loss of my great love and he's right the only thing that matters is love when I look at things now that you'd be surprised I think it comes with age and wisdom and then obviously this great loss is you don't care about things that don't matter it's you know you'll hear from people oh so-and-so at work or at the this at the that you know she's being so difficult she's this is I'm like well, and I look at them and I go uh-huh 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 and they're just so frustrated I'm like okay so let me ask you so what and they look at me I go let me ask you at the end of your life are you gonna care or be thinking about this person who did this 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 no I say yeah you're not who cares right they're acting out in a way because they're you you gotta understand people are we don't know what they're all carrying we all carry something they act that out that way because of something in their life so if, if that's what they need to do let them do it who cares at the end of the day 
Like, why are you getting yourself upset because of that? I mean, at the end of your life, do you want to spend two moments or do you even want to waste now two moments of your life over this baloney? You don't. That's not easy because like, oh, at that moment, it's so important, right? We get all wrapped up in, oh my God, if I don't get this done, if that deadline and stuff. And that's true. We want to do our best. We want to put our best foot forward. We want to get our work done in time, all those things. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters, the only thing you will take with you is your soul, your love, the love that's around you. And so for me, I really incorporate that more and more day to day when I wake up and try to venture forth into my day. And I think I'm doing okay, but it's still, it's a struggle every day to, I could ease that. There was only one time that I couldn't get out of bed. Like I couldn't face the day. I just couldn't stop crying. And I've always had that voice of like, well, staying in bed is certainly not going to bring Richard back. So, and you've got a million things to do. Get off your ass and go do something. And you know, to be honest, he would tell me the same thing. He'd say, what are you doing? I'm gone. Same thing. I had his clothes in the closet. I couldn't get rid of them for a while. Every time I opened it, I cried. I could hear him say, really, gee, they're my shoes. I don't need them anymore. Stop crying. Give them away. What's wrong with you? Uh, but everybody has to come to that that point on their own. Everybody grieves differently and everybody has to get through it. You, it's nothing you can get over or under or good around. You have to get have to go, through, it. Have to go through it. Yeah. You have to go through it. So I noticed that, you know, I thought I had a really good um, feeling about life. I'm very blessed. And I, I've always known that. I have a great family, loving family. I have a roof over my head. I have food to eat. I have a, a good job. I have beautiful stepkids and grandchildren and all these great brother and sister. I'm really, really, really lucky. Meeting new friends, making new friends all the time. But, you know, an event like losing Richard and seeing him and his bravery go through his illness, it really puts in perspective what's important, what isn't important, what you want to spend your time on, what you don't. And just because you don't want to do something doesn't mean that it's bad, but it's like you just prioritize. Just like, yeah, I don't. That doesn't make me feel good. Doesn't make, it doesn't bring me joy. joy. If I do that, who does it really benefit? If it, you know, you have, you have to be selfish for self-preservation, self-care. And some people, oh, you know, I, oh, I want to help this person out. And you do, and you probably do, but you have to consider how it affects you. You're so vulnerable, at least like where I am in my journey through my grief of losing Richard is, you know, people try to be, they, and I know they're all well-meaning and they send me this or they tell me that or they send me an article, but sometimes I receive that information as if they're like, well, gee, I'm get, sending you this because you didn't take good enough care of Richard. Oh, geez. Or, and now, see, mind you, I know that's not their intent. And I know they, they miss and love Richard and love me. But, you know, you have, it's hard when you're, because you just take things, you can't help it. I know intellectually that's not what they mean. But your heart, because it's so full of sorrow, that's how you take it sometimes. So you find yourself like, I'm just going to kind of stay away from that or putting myself in this social awkward situation where people will have to feel like they need to say something to me. A lot of people don't know what to say and that's perfectly understandable. They don't know what to say. So sometimes they say, and I've been totally <laughs> guilty of this too. You just vomit something because yes, you, you just don't know what to say. And it can be if the way it affects the, the person who is received of that information, it could either really make their day or throw them back into therapy. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to be very um, aware of when I'm with somebody to just stop and listen more. And I, <laughs> all evidence to the contrary right now with this podcast, try to talk less. And just listen more and be there and just validate people's feelings and what they're going through. And I find that, I mean, I felt like I've always been like that, but more so in a more profound way now, now that uh, Richard's gone, you know. Yeah, I, I've noticed for myself I, well, a couple things. I know that when, you know, death and sickness, people don't know what to say, but it also 
people react in different ways. And it's very interesting because you would think it, it would bring, you know, some people, it brings people closer together and sometimes it pushes people away. And I, I haven't quite understood that, but I know I'm guilty to try to fill that space of like, gosh, I feel like I have to say something and then you don't know if it's right. And mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you have your best intentions but sometimes it's like what you said. You just need to hold space. Mm-hmm. Just listen. And um, I have one of my high school best friends. She's uh, She would always say, what can I do? Not let me know what I, mm-hmm. you know, please let me know what I can do for you. But she's like, what can I do for you right now? I think asking that question because I know I'm guilty of it, of trying to guess what you need in that moment. And maybe you just need a hug. Or maybe mm-hmm. you just, can you just sit here with me in silence? Or would you mind going get me a coffee or would you get me a glass of water or, you know, I would love a meatball sandwich, whatever, yeah. you know? And I think that's important, but I think a lot of us, we feel bad and we feel like we need to fill that air, that space, yeah, you yeah. know? I mean, and if you're lucky enough to have people who surround you who want to be there to help. I had a Caring Bridge site up and Richard and I both wrote on there talking about the experience and I kind of summed it up for people kind of ended it and I said you know this was a great place to vent or just kind of for, say for what I was who feeling what going yeah for people you know I didn't want to put all that on Facebook it's sure. like and I said if you guys want to know more in depth you know what we're going through on this journey you could go here uh, but I would let everybody know we were blessed to have lots and lots of friends so it was good to say okay this is what's going on today I would tell people you know in this day and uh we we speak in emojis like back to hieroglyphics, right? <laughs> right, yep. And I'll tell you, even though people are going through something hard, or let's say my journey through this, and I couldn't possibly talk to all the people and say over and over again what was going on, and people didn't know quite what to say, they would just send a text with a heart. And that was great, because I knew that person. I know that they're telling me they're thinking about me, that they're sending me love. And that was so great to have that. They did that because they're like, I just didn't know what else to say. But they said everything they needed to. And I wrote in there, I said, you know, if people are going through this, if you're asking people what they need, they don't know. They're so messed Mm. up with being in what, because at the time I was living life 10, 15 minutes at a time. It With Richard's brain and everything was going on, it could change on a dime. And I would tell, luckily I had my sister was assigned to tell people (laughs) what I needed but what was great was some people would just show up like show up at dinner here you go and leave like if I had time and the energy to see them we'd visit if not they go I don't need to stay just here you go or I have this these beautiful people in my life the gal who cuts my hair she came to the house she goes I know you can't come to me come in here and cut your hair how what an amazing gift that was because you know and I just sat there and I just bawled because this was being done. I couldn't get I just, you know, you forget about yourself when you're the caregiver in these situations. Yeah. Massage therapist friend of mine came, gave me a massage, you know. I didn't ask for it. They just get down. You're here, you're here to do this. My mom was there. I've got Richard. You go, you know, go in the other room. Amazing gifts. So it's hard to know. It just, if you have something to offer, just give, like, here's one of the greatest things that people did for me they came over took my laundry took it home did my laundry folded it brought it back oh my gosh huge huge because when we're in we live in long beach los angeles westwood in particular and la traffic could sometimes be two hours and 45 minutes traffic and we were going every day for for treatment you can't get to these things and you feel overwhelmed because you can't get you know i wouldn't change my clothes for three days you know it's just awful but those kind of gifts are so amazing and they're easy to do but we because we don't have a class at school that teaches us yep. anything and how to be prepared for a horrible medical trauma event in your life, in your family. And, and nobody knows what to do. And everybody's just flying by the seat of their pants, right? So what for anybody listening, what I can say is, you know, just be willing to take over a salad. Here you go. If they're willing to see you and they ha- can, they will. If not, just leave it and go. It's going to be so appreciated. The little things. Picking up the dry cleaning. Do you have dry cleaning? I'll take it to the dry cleaner for you. You know, get it, bring it back. I mean, it's such a, you don't think it's a lot, but it's huge. Right. It helps out so much. 
those things. Because really, if, when people say, well, what do you need? I couldn't answer. I didn't know. I didn't know what time it was, what day it was. I was so wrapped up in, is Richard, you know, unfortunately, Richard a lot. He had to be restrained to his bed because he would just get up and run. And to see your husband like that and then have another episode. And you, I, like I'm going through a lot of post-traumatic stress about these issues now because at the time I just had to be strong and deal with it at the moment. So if you're asking me what I need in the middle of all that, it's like. I, That's a good point. Yes. I don't know. I don't know my own name at this point. <laughs> right. I, I'm still trying to process this hor- horrific thing that I just have been witnessing, you know, to my to my husband. You know, so I wish, you know, it'd be nice to have a book or a class to let people know just the basics of, hey, when this goes down, know that you have choices. Know you can question your doctors. Know you can, there's these programs out there. But you can't think rationally when all you're worried about is the care for your loved one. So, you know, looking back, I thought, okay, the best thing I could do is help people say, hey, assign somebody in your family to be your press secretary you don't have time to talk to everybody one person is designated to take care of that group of people in your life sure. you know i had a friend who was you're in charge of my acting friends they can all call you you know because you just don't have the emotional stamina to update people if you're so lucky as we were to have so many people concerned about richard and and the rest of my family yeah so I'm very hyper aware of these things. And uh, I see, I volunteer on occasion, and I see these families in the same room that I was in dealing with these issues. You see the look on their face of, how did we get here? Oh my God, what is this all about? You know, just to say, hey, listen, don't beat yourself up if you feel like you haven't changed your clothes in three days, you don't know the next time you will. You will eventually, don't worry about it. It's gonna be okay. Nobody was there to tell me that. You know, my mom, my mother, God love, God love moms. She'd show up to the hospital. Here, honey, I bought you clean underwear. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and it wasn't like, it was like the old lady kind. Oh, yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with this? Thank you. But, you know, the fact that she thought of that and did that it was such a, <laughs> such a beautiful thing. But it's like, I don't even have time to open the package. To, I'm so concerned. Everything was just going so, so fast. But. Boy, I'll tell you, October 17th, 2017, when that phone rang, I never expected that I'd be sitting here alone, grieving my husband, seeing, being, and, you know, we've had three grandbabies since he's died, you know, that the fact that all he ever wanted was to be a granddad. So, you know, to see these beautiful bundles of joy that look just like him looking up at me, it's beautiful and painful and... You know, I think of him and I smile because he made me laugh so much, but I cry because I miss him. I, you know, I'm selfish. I want him here. Of course. But so now it's me trying to figure out what to do as a solo act. For half my life, it was the Richard and Gigi show. So now it's just the Gigi show. So how do I move forward? That's what I'm dealing with these right days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, when I met you in the hospital, it was like June. <laughs> of this year and you were there I mean you were volunteering at the UCLA so you knew the the grounds pretty well you know you're amazing I mean you're <laughs> I mean when I talk to you I've talked to you then and I'm talking to you now you know you're really held together but I know that like it's a lot probably, of glue yeah there's a lot, of, a glue. lot of glue and gaff tape yeah <laughs> a lot of gaff tape yeah and um I can imagine the PTSD and the just trying to figure out, like, what do you do from here? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm lucky if I get, you know, lonely, I have family, or I'll call a friend. You know what? You need to take me out to dinner. Okay. Let's go. You know, and they're I, happy to do so. And they're happy to do so. You know, hey, I'm lonely. I think you guys should take me out on your Duffy boat. Okay, come on down. You know, I'm really, really, really lucky. But at the end of the day... I come in here and Richard's not here. He's not coming back. How do I make it my own? How did luckily he was not a man of possessions. He didn't have a lot of things. He was very he was more of a cerebral guy. So there's not a lot that I look at and you know I cry like oh that was Richard's this or that. 
which is helpful. I change little things. I move things around, which are helpful. But it's just me. And it's been now over a year since he's passed. So I really have to, I've had that year of, well, you know, Richard would really like me to have that new sweater, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or Richard would be really happy for me to go on that trip with my friend over here. And, um, but now it's like, okay, Gigi doesn't have Richard anymore. And Gigi's got to figure out how she's going to support herself. And what's the next 15 years for me? I thought it would be Richard and I. I thought, it, you know, we would talk about, okay, at what point he would, uh, nothing made him more mad that he was never going to see a dime of his social security money. <laughs> he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me I'm never going to see social security? I go, oh, honey, don't worry. I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, put, like at the right time when he was going to retire, what what point should we, he would retire and take social security? What would that mean? You know, we're, we were making those kind of plans. So I mean, that's what I was prepared for. So I'm just sitting here going, okay, now I've been real lucky. I, Rich and I always had separate pursuits, so I don't feel like completely codependent on him. But financially, you know, it's just just dollars and cents financially. Now you have to file single again, and that changes your, you know, how much they take out of your check. And, and then, you know, financial planning and like, well, gee, maybe I can't retire. And maybe I have to find this and that what's next for me and i can't see the forest for the trees right now i work for i've been working in nonprofit art uh, performing arts for a long time so you do a lot of things you don't fit in just one bucket so i'm not like okay if i were to go pursue another job somewhere i'm like i'm not secretary level three and then i could fit in another secretary level three and nothing's wrong with that having that kind of job i would be horrible i'm a better girl friday than secretary number three but i don't fit in just one mold and i'm looking at jobs and they either went vice president of global operations or janitor so there's like no right nothing yep. in the middle that i'm looking at be a really great support to somebody who has those responsibilities but i've had those responsibilities in my life so i'm looking at well, what is it do i want that job do i want to take on a job that's going to have me travel have me move have me, you know just you just don't know there's so much unknown at this point in my life it's it's like it's weird it would be exciting if richard was here to share that with me but now so, it's kind so of scary. Now it's scary because there's nobody there i mean i have right you know i have people support me but i mean at the end of the day for all of us it's up to us you know and i i love to work i like to be active and I want to be able to but I'm also you know realistic it's like okay you know what can I really do but I you know I've been really lucky I have some really great business relationships and they've always served me well and I'm just hoping that um so I'm just like everybody says you know Richard's gonna come to you he's gonna come to you in a dream and he's gonna give you a sign not had any of these things now friends have called me saying i had a dream about richard last night oh my god he looked amazing i'm like well that's awesome next time you see him tell him i said hey right he used to at least guide me or when i was like a whirling dervish not knowing which direction he could at least talk to me and say it's left or right which one do you want which one's gonna make you happier i don't have that so i'm trying to for looking for divine intervention to help me find the right path. I know I will get there. Maybe I'm not ready to get there yet because of the You're grief. You're still grieving. Yeah. I'm still grieving, which is okay too. I, I've learned through my life that everything happens for a reason. But, you know, as you see, it, parking in our neighborhood is really tough. The, the times I really think Richard's looking out for me is when, when I come home really late from the theater there's that space right in front of my building waiting for me (laughs) that I'm like thanks honey that's when I know he's looking out for me but I was going on across my life you know as we're talking about this subject having all my my life was planned out he and I both had planned it out to when we were both 80 well him 80 me so he was 10 11 years older than me so that's all disappeared. It just blew up in one phone call. So, you again, 
that's not what I expected that day. That's not what I expected that year. I certainly didn't expect to lose my husband at the age of 63 years old. He was only 63. Um, you know, but through all this, I have to find the blessings. The blessings of having had him in my life at all. He and I were madly love, madly, madly, madly love. We were the best pair, and we were really lucky because I know not a lot of people have that or ever experienced that. We had that, so I'm very blessed in that. I'm blessed that I have all these wonderful memories of him and of our relationship. I'm blessed that I have an amazing relationship with my stepdaughter and my stepson and their families and their growing families, and that I'm the you know grandmaster rockin' granny G. <laughs> all these things. I, and I'm blessed to have my family around and that I do have a job and I have a roof over my head, all these things. I'm just really, really happy. So I'm just, how does one go about their life after you lose your beloved? That's the next chapter of my book. Right. I'm really curious to hear what it, how it all turns out. <laughs> right. And I'm sitting here thinking, and there's nothing wrong with making a plan, right? Right. You know, making, but... There's nothing wrong with that, and you just, you know, the positive side of life, right? right. I'm going to live till I'm 80 or 90, and you don't think sure. about it, and then before you know, you're at that age, and you're at the end of the road, and you're like, shit, I wish I didn't work so much, and I wish right. I didn't, I wish I loved the people around me, I wish I said no more, or whatever the case is, but, so how do you balance living, like, this trajectory, if you will, of having a plan? Mm-hmm. If, if nothing is, you know, for people who are listening, you know, n- nothing catastrophic has happened in their life, but they kind of stop for a second and have a conscious moment and say, God, I am moving really fast right now and everything's set in stone. We're going to retire when we're 65 and we're going to do this and we're going to wait to buy that motor home and travel. Mm-hmm. People who wait till they're retired to travel and they're 80 and they're not, they can't enjoy it. Like what? Obviously, in hindsight, what would you, like, how would you do that time different? Would you do it different? Or, well, Richard and I, yes, no, it makes perfect sense. I mean, hindsight being twenty twenty, Richard and I would have certainly traveled more together. The only, after our honeymoon, the only travel we did was kid-related travel, you know, taking him to college, dropping him off, going to graduations, you know, going to weddings, but not, uh, we didn't really travel for just he and I. Uh, going to see family, whatever. And it was always like we had the time and no money or the money and no time. And we should have made that a priority because really at the end of his life, uh, his son was so grateful. You know, he was so amazing. Both my kids, they were like, um, dad, where do you want to go? Anywhere in the world, let's go. And he wanted to go, but he was really too sick. They were just with his brain. We just never knew where, what could happen. So he could not have traveled. So we happened upon, he fell in love with Rick Steves Europe on PBS. I had never heard of Rick Steves and didn't know a show, but luckily, you know, we just, there was one day he, there was a couple on the same time. And he, then he was like, I want to, he called him Ricky Stevies, Ricky Stevies, Ricky Stevies. He would say that all the time. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know when he's on. So luckily he, all of his stuff was on Hulu. So Ricky Stevies Europe was on, on a loop in our household wherever he was we had to have ricky stevie's on and he got to see the world with his pal rick um that and shark tank were the two things that he tended to he was uh, really into that to the point where he was worried about paperwork all the time like we have to get this paperwork in and i realized honey mark cuban is not he's not he's not expecting any paperwork from us we're 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 an audience member watching this show you know, it's hard for him to differentiate sometimes. Like, we have to get him some money. Go, last thing Mark Cuban needs from <laughs> right, me is more, right? more money from us. Trust me, he's fine. So making that a priority and having that time. You know, we had a lot of time together. You know, when I think of regrets. That, I'll tell you the one thing I'm really having a hard time right now is, you know, the day he died, we we didn't know. We didn't know from moment to moment what was going to happen. But we, he was... Uh, that day, they had a ton of friends, fraternity people, friends, family, his son, all in and out. And I, I laid with him in bed the whole day. And he was on morphine, and the hospice people were there. And and at one point, you know, they my mother, you know, made me get out. And said, you know, you need to eat, you need to do that. I said, no. I just knew. 
Like, this could be the last time I'm going to be able to lay down with my husband. I don't care. Listen, I got enough fat on me, too. I'm, I mean, I'm okay, but I, I could I could miss a meal. I'll be fine. And um, later on that night, you know, we just thought, okay, it's going to go another day. And uh, I'm getting ready to go to bed. And the hospice people said, his breathing's changed. He's, it's not long. Well, we were all in shock. His son had just left to drive back up to drive home. And we were stunned. Like, we spent 15 minutes just trying to, like, what do we do? And so uh, it was my my mother and my sister, my um, niece, and myself, and we were all surrounded him when he. But he had a day full of just he was totally loved. He had a goodbye tour that lot not a lot of people get. They get deprived of, but he he got to say goodbye to everybody. All he settled all family business before he left. But when he did pass. I was just holding his hand. I was at the side of his bed. And I should have crawled into bed with him. And I am beating myself up now because that's my biggest regret. I should have held him. I should have been in his bed with him and held him like that. I was with him like that all day long. Why didn't that happen? And, you know, it's it's. It's neither here nor there that I did or didn't. I mean, he knew we were there. We were also, he was surrounded by love. But that's what keeps right. me up at night. It's yeah. like, that's how, I mean, we were so close physically. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm just talking about just hugging, kissing, holding hands. Very affectionate. Very affectionate. When he was first in the hospital, before we really knew what was going on, get my eye makeup all, you're making my, my <laughs> makeup sorry. all messed up. Um, he was just he was in bed and he was just um for those listening at home i'm doing these motions of you know he was just really anxious in bed like he was like bed jogging he was just frantic and his heartbeat was off it was all kind of see i said you know what just get get everything off of him let me lay on him let me just if he feels my heartbeat he'll be okay i just felt in my heart that that would be the case so just like you know i've taken my shirt off and was like well like just get everything off of him because they had to take an ultrasound. I said, let me just lay on him and he'll calm down. And he did. I go, he just needs to feel my heart and he'll be fine. And he did calm down. So that's how close we were. So to not hold him that way when he took his last breath, that's, that's kind of think, beating me up. You know, like you said earlier, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I believe that. And, you know, maybe there was a reason. Would, have, would, it, would it have been so overwhelming Mm-hmm. to feel his heart stop you know what i mean like well you know what here's the deal or, or like or was that here let me like, tell you about richard energetically Meese. you knew that maybe he didn't it would have been too painful for him to like maybe you know yeah i, mean? I know i know exactly what you mean yeah there's all those things there's all the what's and you know coulda shoulda woulda yep. and what could have been yep. um but you know he stopped breathing but his heart still was be- like they didn't call the time of death because he still had a heartbeat very wow. faint but he didn't stop breathing and i mean it was very traumatic yeah very and traumatic. i'm like oh my god and it's and the nurse was like Gigi, he's not doing this on purpose I'm like yes he is you don't know my husband he's very dramatic and i listen i love my husband he was very very handsome he was handsome to the to even an hour and a half after he was gone he still had color in his face and he was still so handsome my mom was like, he still looks so amazing. I'm like, I know. Damn uh, you. Damn you. <laughs> yeah, so it was just really, you know, obviously any loss is traumatic. But that's but that's what, you know, there's nothing I could have done. I can't turn back time. He, I was with him. I was, hold, you know, holding him. I just, that's, it's just something for me. We talk about regrets. I think of fights that Richard and I had. And I think, well, hmm. <clears throat> You know, if I had that thing to go back to, that argument, I would have yelled at him more. I didn't yell at him enough. Because <laughs> you thought you had another 20 Because, to yell yeah, at. well, because that's kind of, that's that's what he needed to, that's what he would respond to. We didn't really fight very much unless we traveled, and we didn't travel very much. But we would definitely debate. And he was very, um, Richard was a risk taker. And he was like, eh, so what if we live in a teepee out in the 
woods who cares you know yeah, yeah, we'll just but we'll do this and this will change and i'm very you know i was growing up uh all by the rules you know and i was very like he was always late i was always a half hour early so you know my mom was like you compliment each other so well and i'm like okay Richard! Richard! <laughs> but you know it was it, my life with him was amazing and even though we had this horrible thing happen I just had to count our blessings because we can see all the love that we had in our lives, all the people that he was surrounded by and his workmates and everybody, just the amount of blessings we had was just amazing. And he got to witness that before he left. And, um, you know, you really can't ask for more than that, you know? Yeah. So I think you've defined living with no regrets as just mm -hmm. all that matters is love, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's your one true regret is not, you know, crawling in bed with him when he passed away. Right. And that's, I mean, I loved him. I don't have any regrets. I mean, I loved him completely. Being, yeah. But that just, that one act, that one, it just, yeah. it just gnaws at me. Yeah. Um, um, he, I worked hard to make sure that he, once I knew that we were where we were, I just want to make sure he could be peaceful and happy. And he was, and he was able to have this beautiful, long goodbye. And he was very brave because I know at times he was not doing well and he would have rather it. He'd go, <laughs> he'd yell at my sisters and I, which one of you geniuses can figure out how to shut this down? And we're like, oh, okay. Um, but he needed, he, he, I just felt he needed to have that love and support around him so he knew how much he was loved before he left that was very important to me maybe it was selfish of me to do that but i wanted that for him right i wanted that for him so i feel good knowing that he had that he had he could witness that he could have that goodbye and we had the talk like you know honey i want you to be happy and if you meet somebody that's gonna be okay and you know not that that's even in my thought process right now but if that were to happen I would welcome it and I know he would be happy for me so there was like no we're very lucky there's no unfinished business there's you know there was nothing left on the table um for us to to deal with so that's I find a lot of peace in that happiness in that we were in the hospital one day and you know the setup at UCLA mm -hmm. so he goes oh, I want to talk to you and he sat me down on that bench you know that uh -huh. bench like, what's going on he goes well listen i just want you to know that you know i've been hearing that you've been seeing somebody and i want <laughs> i want to let you know it's okay and i'm like what, what? i go i know i'm like curious to where this is gonna go i said really i said well who would say something like that to you honey he goes oh you know they the proverbial they I said they said you've been seeing somebody and i just want you to know it was his way of telling me it was he wants me to move on and he said oh, i'm just hearing and i just want you to know it's okay blah 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 and i you know i'm laughing i go well honey i said i appreciate you telling me this i said I, i've been seeing mr tommy burger and mr tito taco <laughs> that's who i've been seeing and he laughed and i said honey you're a one-man party i mean i i'm never leaving you you're stuck with me and he had a big smile on his face that's you know and i said hi but i later on because I was like weird but that's what he really was trying to tell me so that was a gift to me we were giving gifts back and forth to each other all the time I hope for all the listeners that you have out there that they never have to experience something like this but should something happen just allow yourself to know that everything is gonna you have no control it's gonna be what it's gonna be all you could do is your best and all you can do is love your loved one and love yourself and don't beat yourself up over stuff like I am. I'm beating myself up over this one little moment. But still, it's important. You know, but you're, you're going to do things right. You're going to do things wrong. It's going to be okay. It's okay. We do the best. All you could do is your best. As long as you, as long as there's life, there's hope. And as long as there's love, there's life. Right. Thank you. Do you think he had any regrets when he passed away? Do you think? Uh, no, I think that if he had any issues, he was able to work out those demons before he left, which is, which is wonderful to know. Because yeah. like all of us, he had a few. But he, you know, he got to see his grandchild. He got to be with his son, his daughter, um, 
who doesn't live uh, in the state, so she visited often, and and that's all he he needed. You know, he just love, 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 love. It's all that matters. It's all that matters, really, at the end of the day. And listen, in this day and age, with everything going on, we get in this whirlwind of craziness, oh, right. mm-hmm. whatever you're feeling. At the end of the day, it all matters. The only people that matter are your family and the people that love you. And you just try to do your best. That's all you can do. I mean, that's what I did. And I'm trying to do my best every day to not waste the day. This is a beautiful day here in Long Beach. This is a beautiful day to be out in the sun and enjoying the neighborhood. And I'll do that because Richard's not here to do it for himself. You know, to take advantage of all this beauty around us. It's like, you know, even those days, like, I don't want to leave. Get up and see what's out there because Richard's not here to do it for himself. Remember how blessed we are to be here. There's something happening. There's something about to happen. We just don't know what it is yet. Like, right. I want to, like, I would love somebody to give me the roadmap to my life. This is the way your life's going to oh, be the next 15 we years. All. Right? That, and we all know right it's now. not going to happen. That's right. not going to happen. So you got to say yes. You got to say yes to life. Uh, you got to wish peace and love on everything and everybody to the best of your ability. And, you know, pie is pretty good, too. Pie can be your friend as you're working through this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it might it might stick with you for a while, but it, it, it tends to help. That's what I uh, – it was a co-worker's birthday yesterday, and we had cake, and I don't remember. There was a comment. I was like, life's short. Eat the cake. Eat the cake. Eat the cake. Eat the cake. And I'm – you know, I love food who most people do, and sometimes, you know, I rationalize Well, you know, It's like, right. you know, uh, uh, no, what was it? Oh, it was uh, a guy at work was on a diet, and I'm like, yeah, like, life's too short to, like, well, we wanted, you, you know what I mean? Like, wanted, I'm not saying not diet, right. but you know We want to like, take care of ourselves, yeah, absolutely. But, it's, but it's like, you know, we just don't know. Tomorrow is not promised. So, you know, so, you fudge a little bit, and you eat a cookie. Big deal. Like, you know, eat the like, cookie. <laughs> Right. It's going to make you happy. Eat the cookie. Yeah, right. Why not? Eat eat the burrito. Eat, eat the, the po- poke bowl. <laughs> eat the pizza. I'm oh my God. pizza. Yeah, exactly. So that's, <laughs> I was like, and you know, I was really happy. Like I said, Richard with his meds, just his appetite. It was like steroids or something and whatever medication. And he ate like crazy. So he didn't lose his food. You hear a lot of people who, you know, they lose weight. They just don't have taste buds anymore. I mean, he enjoyed his food to the very last minute. My mother's homemade pasta and homemade meatballs and people bring. He had it all. And he was happy. Good. Very happy. Did he crave sugar? No, not really. Nachos. Nachos was his. Nachos. That's what he wanted. Nachos and poke bowls. He was. I'm like. I'm not. I don't have the taste for poke bowls like he did. But he, he loved that. And you're like, okay, whatever you want, honey. You're just whatever, whatever you, you want. want. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, and he was my mother, who is an amazing cook. Oh, honey, what do you, I made you homemade chocolate pudding? Ooh, that was a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> his reaction, everything is ooh. ooh. He'd walk in the room. Hey, what are you guys eating? Well, mom made some homemade lasagna. Ooh. Yeah. So it was always so, it was always a treat to see. Ooh, okay. This looks good. You know, he just, so that brought a lot of joy to everybody that he could sit at the dinner table with everybody and enjoy his food and, you know, be, look healthy and be around everybody. It was, it was fantastic. Food's the great common denominator yeah brings people together right right right. well i think like you said earlier just staying in bed all day is not how do i say it paying homage to the ones that crossed over because they wouldn't want that well they wouldn't and we are still here so we cannot waste life well my hope for people is that they don't i mean there's some people who really and i've had my days like there's been a couple days i'm like i'm well i'll stay in bed till 11 you know okay but i gotta get up if that's what you need then fine absolutely but don't lose fact don't lose track of the fact that you're still here there's people who love you need you and you gotta try you it's and you might take five steps forward to take three steps back that's part of life and anything but Try to really take that moment to just say, 
wow. Like Richard was, this is, I'll leave you with this. Richard would get up and he, he loved going to walk down a coffee shop and get coffee. And I, he'd say, he was like, and he was up at 5.45 in the morning and do that. And he, I go, okay, okay, just hold on. Just wait, let me get my stuff together. He goes, come on, G, it's a great day to be alive. Let's go. That is my mantra. It's a great day to be alive. Let's go. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing I hope story. I didn't bore anybody no, my God, out no. there. I okay. just, it's so... I want to say beautiful because you had that time with him and the love that you guys shared. And I wish I had met him and knew you and, yeah, me you too. know, but I'm so thankful that Felice brought us together. I don't know. It's like a weird connection. Like I feel this like connection. I'll never you forget. Or <laughs> well, I'll never forget the look on your face when I first popped into your room. You're looking at me like, hello? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hi, you don't know me, but my friend Felice, my neighbor, wanted me to bring you this. And you're like, oh, okay. And there you go. Yeah, no. Fortune new friendship. Yeah, no. And and you shared your story with me, you know, that And you day. shared yours. And yeah. And I just, I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I love you. <laughs> so thank you. So I love much. you too. Thank you. And That's so, such a great gift. Yeah, thank you. And I just, I'm like, I know that it's just so... Your story is so impactful. At least for me, it is. Oh, thank you. Just to share that story, and I, the my hopes for this podcast is to, I want people to stop and live life before a tragedy strikes. Like we all, it seems yeah. like we wait for an illness or a death to like go. Whoa, what's really that, important? Yeah, what's and that defining moment? Yeah, it's like almost Def- we don't have time to w- live. Like, waking up. Yeah. is a defining moment. Enjoying what you have is a defining moment. Look around your family and friends, and hopefully you are very blessed with all those things, and you just take stock that, yeah, this is going to be a great day. Even the most stressful day, at least you're here to have it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's not easy. All of us have our issues. We all have our baggage we have to carry. Sometimes it's really enormous. Sometimes we can compartmentalize it and just keep it in our pocket. I'm working. I'm getting close to I mean, my grief for my and for the loss of my Richard will never leave me. But I'm and there's days I just feel like it's just crushing me. But I think I'm working on making it where it's portable so I can carry it with me. But it's not such a heavy weight. Yeah. And I know he doesn't want me to... Um, carry a heavy weight he wants me to move forward and have exciting things happen for me so I'm curious as to what those things will be I hope I'll have something exciting to share in my next chapter whatever that is the Gigi story yeah the adventures the adventures of Gigi yeah yeah I'm excited for you well thank you and thank you thank you kindness oh my pleasure and I just thank you thank you Thank you for listening to the No Regrets podcast with Kate. Be sure to subscribe. You can find this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or your favorite listening app. Please be sure to subscribe and follow me on Instagram at No Regrets Podcast with Kate.